Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. We are in message number two of the Holy Spirit series. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit matters? When Jesus said, hey, it's better for you that I leave, that the Holy Spirit may come, that's a crazy statement because Jesus was pretty awesome, right? Jesus was pretty rad. Think about if Jesus was just walking and hanging out in uh, Salt Lake Valley today. You know what I mean? Like, but he said, it's actually to your advantage is what that means. Better is to your advantage that I leave that the Holy Spirit may come. And I'm telling you today, the purpose of my message is that you, we, I would all engage more with the Holy Spirit in our day-to-day lives. Because I'm telling you, no matter if you are the newest Christian or the oldest Christian, the Holy Spirit wants to work in and through you to do things beyond you could ask or think. I'm telling you today, and I'm going to hopefully prove it to you. So beyond that unplanned rant, the purpose of my message today, and this is not a seeker-friendly message, and so I don't apologize in advance. And everyone says I apologize in advance. How about we start saying I don't apologize in advance? Why would I? <laughs> I don't apologize in advance. Rich, I do not apologize in advance. Um, but the purpose of my message today is honestly, I want to inspire every one of you to speak in tongues more. So maybe some of you are not a Christian and you don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe some of you are Christians and you've never heard of speaking in tongues. Uh, Maybe, uh, or you've probably heard of it, but you've never done it. Maybe some of you are Christians and you think speaking in tongues uh, is just related to all of a sudden I start speaking in uh, Mandarin Chinese and somebody that, you know, doesn't speak English but understands Mandarin goes, oh my gosh, you're telling me all everything I ever needed to know. And I'm like, it's weird because I never spoke Mandarin before. But look, it's the speaking in tongues. Um, That may be your context, but I believe it's a lot, lot more than that. It's a lot, lot more than that. And truthfully, uh, it can be uh, and seem really weird. Even when I say that, I'm sure there's people, even me saying it, it's like I'm squirming in my, uh, as I'm standing up here. People squirming in your seats a little bit because it's like, oh man, speaking in tongues is weird. And it, uh, it is strange. Um, but this message today is intended in many, many ways to make it less strange uh, and to make speaking in tongues, you realize more of the purpose of why God would have included that as a gift of the Holy Spirit and to, again, inspire you to speak in tongues more often. That is where I am headed. 
Because the Apostle Paul, how many of you know he did some cool things for Jesus? A couple things, right? The Apostle Paul wrote half the New Testament, or was it more? Chad's more of a Bible scholar than I am. Is it more than half the New Testament or less? Or was it exactly half? He's going to get back to me. (laughs) The next time I have a question for you, Chad. God. But the Apostle Paul said, um, he said, I thank my God. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you. He thanked God for that. And I think the reason he thanked God for that is because there's such power in speaking in tongues that he knew that uh, he needed more revelation. He needed more anointing. He needed more breakthrough in order to lead the people. So he was grateful that he spoke in tongues more than these other people because he needed to be able to lead them effectively. Let me tell you my testimony about speaking in tongues. I do speak in tongues. It kind of sounds like um, should have bought a Honda, but about a Kia, right? <laughs> If you've never spoken in tongues, you can start there, you know, with the auto manufacturers. <laughs> I love it. Laughter is the language of heaven. God is funny. I'm not going to just, I can't. I can't go off on a couple things. My testimony is this. I'm going to say it really quickly. So I was a troubled teenager. When I was 16 years old, I was sent to the island of Western Samoa. I lived there for 10 months. I thought I was headed to a beach paradise. That's what they showed me on the videos. And I was going to be there for two weeks. I was going to pretend to have gotten all my life together. And then I was going to come back and do the exact same things. Prior to my parents sending me to drug and alcohol rehab on the island of Western Samoa, which is extreme. That's extreme. That's next level. Why why couldn't you send me to Kansas City? No, I'm going to send you to Western Samoa, a third world country. Prior to that, my summer plan was to run away with my best friend and two girls that we liked and rob grocery stores on the way down and start using harder drugs and, and spend the summer in Mexico. That was my plan prior to Jesus rescuing me. So I got sent to rehab and the island of Western Samoa, I lived behind barbed wire for about a month and a half. I wasn't allowed to speak without raising my hand to ask permission. And eventually I graduated from that uh, barbed wire compound and I did move to the beach. The beach did exist. There were huts and places to live on the beach, so they didn't totally lie to me. But um, I was there and it was a really rough place. You could look at like 48 hours in 2020. They did specials on it. There was a lot of bad things that happened. The program is now shut down. But for me, it was a good thing. It was what I needed. But when I was there, I hated it. I hated it when I, when I first got there. It got better after a while. But when I first got there, I hated it. And I actually tried to give myself appendicitis to get out. I was told by this guy, I remember his name is Reno. This is how traumatizing. This guy named Reno, I think he was probably a total fraud. I told you I shouldn't like just do this again. This guy named Reno, I think he was a total fraud, but he told me his, do- his dad was a doctor. And he said, hey, John, if you want to get out of this place, which I did, because at the time I was living behind barbed wire. I was, li- I was sleeping on linoleum because my parents forgot to send me a, a, a bed to sleep on. So I was sleeping on linoleum, and I think somebody lent me a sheet. Uh, and so I was sleeping on that. And, um, and my buddy Reno said, hey, my dad's a doctor. And he told me, and I don't know if he, he t- probably didn't tell him, but he learned somehow that he said, if you sleep on your fist 
where your appendix is for 21 days, uh, that it'll give you, it'll cause your appendix to rupture. And when your appendix ruptures, John, because there's no uh, hospitals in Western Samoa that, that could actually help you, they would have to fly you to Hawaii. And when you get to Hawaii, you can run. <laughs> True story. Such a good idea. This guy, Reno, was probably just cracking up every night, watching me like <laughs> laying down. On so anyways... So I tried that. I really did. I tried to give myself appendicitis to get out of this place. That's how bad it was. And that failed. I didn't get appendicitis um, for one reason or another. Um, But I got to a place where I'm like, Jesus, this is terrible. God, if there's anything you can do to get me out of this place, um, I will serve you with my whole life. And I was in a hut. I was wearing the native garb, the lava lava, uh, on a sunny day, and I said, Jesus, come into my heart. I didn't know exactly what that meant because I'd grown up in church and envisioning, you know, little miniature Jesus walking around inside of my heart. And I'm like, that's, that's odd, but if that's what it takes to get out of this place, I'm all in. And so I gave him my life, and it's been uphill from there, uphill from there. So then I start writing letters because that was the only way we could communicate. This is a true story, by the way. I'm not, I promise you, I'm not making this up. I start writing letters to the mainland to my stepdad and mom at the time. And I said, hey, I got saved. I asked Jesus. I asked, you know, little miniature Jesus into my heart. And my stepdad was like, that's amazing, John. Have you received your prayer language? And again, we're writing letters back and forth across the Pacific Ocean. And I write back, hey, what, what is that? I don't know what that is. I'd never heard of a prayer language, right? My theology went as far as miniature Jesus. <laughs> is, that, is that biblical, Chad, miniature Jesus? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, um, I'm sorry. I'll finish the story. I said, I don't know what a prayer language is. And my stepdad writes me back and says, um, well, it's a language that uh, God will give you that uh, you're not going to understand. And because I'd never heard it or heard of it, um, but it allows your spirit to communicate directly to God. And all you have to do is ask him for it. And so one night, all by myself, uh, this was not a Christian program, um, And I was in a hut, laying on my bed, wearing my Samoan skirt. (laughs) And I prayed a prayer in the dark. And I said, Jesus, if this is of you, this prayer language thing, speaking in tongues, if this is of you and you want me to have it, then I pray that you would give it to me. And immediately, I started speaking in a language I'd never heard, a language I'd never tried to. And then what was really confirming for for me was when I got back to the States and I started going to a church like Awaken, believes in the gifts of the Spirit and all that, and I heard other people praying and they sounded the exact same way that I sounded. 
And I'm like, well, this has to be God then. Cause I didn't, if I had made this up one night on an Island in my bed, wearing a dress, <laughs> because that is an odd environment that some odd things could happen. You know what I mean? But if I made it up, then I wouldn't come back to this whole group of people that sound exactly like me. Are you following me? That's my testimony, and hopefully yours is uh, even better than that, minus the rehab side of it. So speaking in tongues is, is odd, though. And um, I believe that today God's going to make it be less odd. And what I want to submit to you for consideration, uh, because even in, um, I want to say it's the book of Titus. I wish I had this reference nailed. But in the Bible, it does say on multiple occasions that you should test all things. Test all things. Look into all things. So anything I say to you today, I would encourage you, test it. Feel free. Ask questions, right? Um, we are not a church that says that you just need to believe what we tell you to believe and don't ask any questions about it. Either the Bible is true or the Bible is not true. So test it. Here's what I want to submit to you, though, is that the reason that God on the day of Pentecost poured out the Holy Spirit and there was the evidence of speaking in tongues is because I believe that he wanted to restore a single language to the earth that empowered humans, his people, to do the impossible, but required a dependency upon him. Let me say that one more time. I believe that part of the reason that God poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost with the evidence of speaking in tongues is because God wanted to restore a single language to the earth that empowered humans to do the impossible, but required dependency upon him. Why do I believe that? Let me tell you, we're going to start with the Tower of Babel. I started studying about the Tower of Babel and God confirmed that I should speak about the Tower of Babel today. I was studying and then the next thing I know, my kids are in the next room and I hear them uh, watching a show. It's called Superbook. It's actually really cool. Uh, I'd recommend it for parents and kids. It's interesting for adults too, truthfully. Um, but I hear them watching a show and the show, the Superbook, is about the Tower of Babel. So I had felt like, I feel like I need to like, dig into this message, this thought. And Pastor Matt had asked me if I could preach, which I'm honored to do that, which you guys, I think you know that, but let me say it. Very honored to be here. Very honored to do this. Um, uh, and they're watching the Tower of Babel show. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. What a coincidence. What a confirmation. So I say to my oldest, I'm like, hey, Shiloh, can you rewind that? I'm going to make a cup of coffee and sit down and watch this show with you. So I did that. I sit down and I'm watching the show, Tower of Babel. And no joke, I'm sitting there watching this show on the Tower of Babel right after I had started studying about the Tower of Babel because I felt like I should preach a message having to do with the Tower of Babel. And my phone rings and I don't answer it. It's an unknown number, but then it calls back immediately, right? And sometimes when that happens, you're like, okay, maybe this actually is important. I should pick it up. So I pick up the phone and I say hello, which is a standard greeting in America. Um, and, uh, and, and there is somebody on the other end of the phone that starts speaking to me in a foreign language Whoa. that I did not understand. And I'm like, what? 
And then we closed the conversation relatively quickly because I didn't really understand what they were trying to communicate to me because at the end of the day, they had the wrong number. But I hang up and my 10-year-old Shiloh had heard the conversation. He's sitting next to me and she's just like dying, cracking up because here we are watching a show on the Tower of Babel and all of a sudden I pick up the phone and to me, it sounded like they were just babbling at me. And so I know that God asked me to speak on the Tower of Babel today. Okay, so I want to go back. I want to start at the guy that started the Tower of Babel. His name was Nimrod. Nimrod is the grandson of Ham. Ham is the son of Noah that when Noah planted a vineyard and got drunk and took his clothes off, listen, if you had just been the sole survivor of a worldwide flood and you'd spent however many years building a boat and then you come off it, you might not have, he, 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 that's what happened. But Ham's the guy that went to his brothers, Shem and Japheth, and was like, hey, look at dad, he's naked. And then there was a curse pronounced on Ham. So this guy Nimrod is Ham's grandson. So Ham essentially was like an exposure, which is really kind of what the devil does. He likes to expose. Jesus covers, the devil exposes. But Nimrod started... uh, Babel. So Cush begot Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one on the earth. Uh, In our own strength, anybody can start anything. Oftentimes you need the Holy Spirit power to help you to finish though. Nimrod's name, it's up for debate. It might mean rebellion. Um, It might mean rebellion, Nimrod. It says he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. I think it's interesting that that name, that word hunter actually means the chase or the game, which reminded me of like the American vibe of the grind, right? The 10X vibe. I'm going to rise and grind, right? It's that, it's that human, I can do this in my own strength. I can crush it every day. And no matter what suffers or what falls apart, as long as I'm the greatest grinder in the history of the world, I have made it. Yes. Rise and grind. So Nimrod was a grinder. Genesis 10.10, 10, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. And he went on to start a lot of cities, but the Bible says that he just began to be a mighty one. But the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. Genesis 11.1 1 says this. And again, what I'm trying to submit to everyone today is that the reason that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost with the evidence of speaking in tongues was because God wanted to restore a single language to the planet for his people. Genesis 11, 1. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. I think it's always interesting in the Bible when it says the same thing seemingly back to back. Language and speech, isn't that the same thing? Well, no, if you look into it, the word speech can actually mean a cause or a matter, a cause, right? So I think that, you know, uh, your language is going to betray your cause. What you speak about is oftentimes what you are about. Uh, You could also say that what you speak about is what you're gonna bring about. Um, So your language will betray your cause. So the whole earth was of one language and one cause. And it came to pass, Genesis 11, 2, as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. You should know that Shinar, whether I'm pronouncing that wrong or right, Chad, is that right pronunciation of Shinar? Yeah. It's Shinar. Okay. There you go. Shinar. I'm going to look into that, though. They found a plain in the land of Shinar, And they dwelt there. Shinar, if you don't know this, it's ancient Babylon. Ancient Babylon. Shinar is ancient Babylon. Babel, Babylon, Babel, Babylon. Maybe there's a connection there. Then it says they dwelt there. That word dwell actually means to settle. 
So they settled there. The problem with that, though, is that God's command in Genesis 1.28 was he said to the, the people of the earth, Adam and Eve, to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. God had not called the people of the earth at that time to settle. He had called them to fill the earth and subdue. And then I was just looking at this in worship, but I told Pastor Rich Bogle on the front row here that uh, he, God repeated the same command to Noah when he left the boat. He actually said to Noah as well, hey, let me remind you, I said this to Adam and Eve, let me say it to you. You are commanded to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth, not to settle. But the people of the earth, they found a plane in the land of Babylon, in the land of Shinar, and they decided to settle there. And they said, Genesis 11, 3, it says, they said to one another, come and let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. You look at the word bake. The word bake means to be on fire, to be on fire. So it says, bake them thoroughly. So to be on fire thoroughly. In every part of that darn brick, it was on fire, thoroughly baked. It's interesting. It goes on to say they had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. You look at the, the word uh, um, asphalt, asphalt actually means slime. So they had slime for mortar. They had brick for stone, slime for mortar. It's interesting that, that humans could create bricks, but only God could create stone. And it's almost like that the brick was a replacement for the stone and the asphalt was a replacement for the mortar. Because you look at the word mortar, mortar actually means like a bubbling up of water or a wave. And to me, it sounds a lot more like the Holy Spirit building with stones and water than bricks and slime. I'm just saying, maybe the work of man versus the work of God is something that's a lot more beautiful and permanent and strong and forfeited than the work of man. Genesis 11, 4 says, and they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. I'm not going to say what I just thought about saying. Moving on. Now, come on, says Lonnie. I love it. Lonnie's hardcore. Anybody love Lonnie and Tony Atterbury? Let me echo this. I was a Pathfinder apprentice. My wife was a Pathfinder apprentice. And our lives are flourishing next level. So do we still have room? Probably not, Tony. It's too exclusive, really, at this point. There's not even room for people. The breakfast. And next semester, it's not exclusive, but it is awesome. The breakfast. Pathfinders. They said, come let us build a city and a tower. Come let us make a name. But their motivation, it says here, was lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. What I pick up from that is anything motivated by fear. They were motivated by fear to stop, settle, build a city, build a tower, make a name. They were motivated by fear lest they be scattered. Anything today in our lives that's being motivated by fear, I want to tell you, is probably not a God thing. It's probably not a God thing. I would encourage you to look at every single decision you're currently making in your life today, big or small, and look, am I being motivated by fear to decide this or am I being motivated by a faith in a God who says he'll never leave me or forsake me and that he's gonna give me everything I need? 
So the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one and they all have one language. They all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing they propose to do will be withheld from them. I've looked at this story um, uh, through my life as God, it's like, God, were you like kind of insecure? Like, really? Like, it almost sounds like, it's like, oh, the people are one. They have one language. This is what they begin to do. Now, nothing they propose to do will be well. Like, we need to go mess up their plans. And we know God's not insecure. We know God's all powerful. We know that with a word, the Lord created the heavens and the earth. So he wasn't worried about people. And so that's why it's powerful to dig into the original language of scripture. Because if you look at where it says nothing they propose to do will be withheld from them, that word propose actually means to plan, but usually in a bad sense. To consider, devise, imagine, plot, purpose, or to think evil. So even though, this is what's crazy, God had just wiped out the entire world with a flood, people were still devising wicked plans. Idiots, Pastor Vince said. So to prevent this from prospering, which would ultimately destroy them, because we know God so loved the world, God scattered them. He said, no, I'm not going to let you settle. I'm not going to let you devise a wicked plan because you're afraid, so you think you have to make a name for yourself. I'm going to scatter you because I've called you to fill the earth and subdue it. That is the call of God uh, on our lives. And so Genesis 11:7, he says, come, let us go down. We're going to confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from over the face of the earth and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel because the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. We get the word Babylon, which Babylon today uh, in the Bible and in the spiritual realm represents the kingdoms of this world. It represents the kingdoms of wickedness and darkness, Babylon. Babylon comes from the word Babel, which means confusion or to mix. So again, the case I'm trying to convince you of this morning is that the reason the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost and gave us the gift of speaking in tongues was to restore one language to the people of the earth. So back in the beginning after Noah, uh, everybody had one language, but what they proposed to do was not a God thing. So God scattered them. He confused their language. But then the Holy Spirit came back on the day of Pentecost and restored a single language to the earth. Well, why did he do that? I believe it's because he does want us to do impossible things, but he wants us to do it in partnership with him. So then we're going to go quickly to the coming of the Holy Spirit. Whenever you see the band moving... You know, you're in trouble. Coming to the Holy Spirit, Luke 24, 50, it says this, and, and he, Jesus, we got that scripture up? Awesome, 24, 50. And he, being Jesus, led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them, and he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. Again, the reason I'm now reading in the New Testament about the day of Pentecost and the book of Acts is because I want to show you the parallels between the Tower of Babel 
and what happened and the day of Pentecost and what God did with the Holy Spirit. So really quick, guys, if you can toss that map up there, Zach, my favorite worship leader up in the booth, Mr. Zach. So there's a map here, and what I want to just show you here is that in the uh, Old Testament, when it talks about um, uh, the people of the earth, it says they journeyed from the east and settled in Shinar, Chad. He's not even paying attention to me now. <laughs> settled in Shinar. It said they journeyed from the east. What I want to propose to you is that this, right before Jesus ascended, he led them to Bethany, and he had said, hey, wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. So he led them to Bethany, which is directly east of Jerusalem. So the people that would have been the first ones to receive that singular language again would have traveled physically from the east to the place where they would now receive that gift of the Holy Spirit. I just love how the Bible ties in little things because the word of God says it's the glory of kings to search out a matter. I want to encourage you that the Bible has endless treasure in it. Endless treasure. If you spend a little bit of time. Hey guys, welcome. Acts 2.1 says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. So there's a parallel, right? It says the people of the earth were one and had one language. Now on the day of Pentecost, it says that they were all with one accord in one place, all the people. Acts 2.2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. In the book of Genesis, it says the people settled. In the book of Acts, it says the people were sitting. God didn't mind them sitting because he told them to. There's a big difference between settling and sitting. Sitting and waiting is based on a life of obedience and submission to what God would call and ask you to do. Settling is a place of compromise. That's usually driven by a motivation of fear. Yeah. Acts 2, 3, and there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. I think it's interesting that it says in the Tower of Babel story that they baked bricks thoroughly. Baked again means to set on fire. And baked bricks thoroughly. It's interesting that in the book of Peter, 1 Peter, it says, you also, talking about the church, as living stones... Remember, they use bricks for stone. It says in 1 Peter that you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifice accepted to God through Jesus Christ. So they baked bricks with fire at the Tower of Babel. But in the, old, in the New Testament, the people became the stones and the fire of God fell from heaven in the shape of a divided tongue and sat upon each one of them. So now the difference is instead of the people 
people baking bricks to build a city and a tower and a name for themselves. God was coming through the Holy Spirit to take the people and make them into living stones and to pour his fire upon them and give them a new language that he could begin to build up his spiritual house on the planet. Are you following me? Yeah, okay. You guys sound great. How many of you love Ellie? Does everybody know Ellie? I'm telling you, the future of worship is Ellie. Mr. Elijah, the future of worship, come on. So just like the people of the earth thoroughly break bricks, I said this for building the tower, God wants his fire to consume you. The Bible says our God is a consuming fire. Acts 2 verse 4 then says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues, and the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused. They were confused. Uh, reminds me of, of Babel. Babel means confusion because everyone heard them speak in his own language. So God introduced confusion into a confusing situation. And what I want to submit to us today is that sometimes God will confuse confusion. He'll do something that you marvel and wonder at that makes no sense actually in order to set things right in your life. Why is this happening? I thought it was going to go this way and I went that way. I thought this relationship was going to work out. We were right there. I put a ring on it and it didn't work out. I'm confused. But if we will submit and allow the work of God to do its thing in our life, you will find the result in Acts 2. Verse seven, it says right after the confusion, then they were all amazed. They went from confusion to being amazed and marveling. And you know something is of God based on the fruit that it produces. And it goes on in verse 11, chapter two, saying, we hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. So the story parallels go from Babel being, hey, let us build. Let us make a name for ourselves. To the book of Acts, it transitions from the wonderful works of men to the wonderful works of God. And I'm telling you today, in your life, in my life, God wants to move from what you can do 
from what we can do in our own strength to what only he can do, to what only he can do. Quickly, I'm gonna move through my four points. And the title of my message, let me give you that as well. The title of my message today is Babble On. Babble On. As a believer, I wanna encourage you to get your babble on. If you've already been filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, do it more often. I'm telling you, when something doesn't make sense, speak in tongues. When you're feeling afraid, speak in tongues. When you need an answer to something, speak in tongues. When you need a miracle to happen, speak in tongues. Because when you do, you are declaring the wonderful works of God to be activated in your life. I believe that. And I'm telling you, I know this is a good message because as I was studying it this week, I'm like speaking in tongues way more than I usually do. I'm like, hey, this works. This is good. This is powerful. This can change things. All right, quick points. I got four. I'm sorry, Pastor Matt. I'm probably going to let you do the altar. I'm going to get through my message and I'll let you take it from there. Does that sound good? All right, great. It's just open communication. You know, it's our style. Let's just work it out, real time. Point number one, why should you speak in tongues? Number one, to edify yourself, edify yourself. First Corinthians 14, four says this, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Don't get all sensitive on me when it says he and himself, it also means she and herself, all right? It is both. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. That word edify actually means to be a house builder or to construct or to confirm. So when you speak in tongues, you are actually building and constructing the architecture and the frame and the house of the will of God in your life, edifying yourself. Goes on in verse five to say, I wish you all spoke with tongues. So if you had a question, well, it's for him, but not for me, it's for her, but not for me. Paul says, I wish you all spoke in tongues. So as a Christian, you need to know that the will of God for you is to speak in tongues. It is. Paul said, I wish you all spoke in tongues. But then he goes on to say, but even more that you prophesied. Ah, oh, Paul, I thought tongues was the best. I guess it's prophecy. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So the point here is that interpreted tongue is greater than prophecy because it is the perfect will of God. Brings me to my point number two. Why should you speak in tongues? Because when you do, you pray the perfect will of God. I'm gonna give you some scripture here. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to this message. Romans 8, 26 says this, the spirit helps in our weakness. We don't know what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. How many of you have ever not known what to pray for? Anybody ever not known what, like what do I even pray for? Okay, good. So it says the spirit will make intercessions for us. 
Verse 27, now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So when the Holy Spirit prays through us, the Holy Spirit is praying the will of God. Okay, why is that matter? Why is that powerful? Because 1 John 5, 14 says, this is the confidence we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. So when we pray in tongues, we know we're praying the will of God, the perfect will of God. And that is why when you interpret that, and you declare that message, that's greater than prophecy because it's the perfect will of God. Prophecy, we just see through a mirror dimly. We see through a glass dimly. Praying in tongues and interpretation, we're praying the perfect will of God. When we pray the perfect will of God, the Bible says we know he hears us. So when we pray in tongues, we're praying the perfect will of God. We know he hears us. And it says when he hears us, we know we'll have the things that we ask for. So if we wanna see the perfect will of God manifest in each one of our lives, manifest in our family, manifest in our city, our state, our country, the nation, the world, we should pray in tongues more often because God will hear us and do his will. Number three, the reason why, because you make the impossible possible when you pray in tongues. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at them and said, with men, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Luke 1, 37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Matthew 17, 20, because of your unbelief that this thing didn't come out, but as surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Well, so then how do I have faith? How do I have more faith? How do I make the impossible possible? Well, Jude 1, 20 says, but you beloved, that's talking about you, if you don't know your beloved, you should know your beloved by your father. Building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So if you wanna have more faith to make the impossible possible, you should pray in the Holy Spirit more. Speak in tongues more. I heard a rumor that Pastor Jurgen Matesius, our lead pastor that started the Awaken Movement, he prays 30 minutes in tongues a day. It's a non-negotiable for him. So maybe we start with five. Can anybody in here give me five? Five minutes praying in tongues every day. No, that was like eight people. Anybody give me five minutes a day praying in tongues. Come on. And the last thing I'll say, and I apologize, I'm, I'm, I'm over here, is point number four. Why should we speak in tongues? Is to tear down Babylon or to decode. I had this thought to decode Babylon. Again, the, 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 the word Babylon means confusion. How many of you would agree that in the world today, the world system, there's a lot of confusion, a lot of confusion out there, right? Babylon is running rampant. Thank God for his church that he's building up and the gates of Babylon and hell will not prevail. We know that, we're a part of that. But I had this thought that speaking in tongues is almost like how a cipher would be used in cryptography. A cipher is an algorithm used in cryptog cryptology to encrypt and decrypt data. And when you step back and you look at, you look at the world, if you were to look at it like a very confusing, elaborate coding, like what is even happening? What is even the answer to all of this? This is, this is mystery. This is, this is challenging. This is, this is confusing. 
I feel like praying in the spirit is almost like inserting a decoder, a cipher, which is an algorithm of the Holy Spirit praying through you that begins to take the confusion and begin to bring clarity, that begins to take the confusion and begins to edify, which means to construct or to build up the house. Can I say one more thing, Pastor Matt? If you're asking John, where do you even get that crazy thought? That sounds interesting. 1 Corinthians 14.2 says this. It says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. In the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Moving on into book of Revelation, and there's a description at the end of time, and it's talking about a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. Hang with me, it's Revelation chapter 17, you can read it. It says, uh, it was full of names of blasphemy, and she had seven heads and 10 horns. Doesn't sound very attractive. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Verse five says, and on her forehead a name was written. On her forehead a name was written. Mystery, Babylon the Great. And I wanna just submit to you, and again, test all things, look into all things. But that, it's called her the mother of all harlots. On her forehead is written, mystery, Babylon the Great. The Bible says when we pray in tongues, we're speaking mysteries, we're declaring mysteries. It's almost to me as if God is using tongues as a means of taking Babylon, which means confusion, and decoding it to bring clarity. Because when we can see clearly what we're fighting against, when we can decode it now as the church and the people of God, it's much easier to begin to tear things down and say, oh, I see you now, spirit of Jezebel. I see you now, spirit of control. I see you, spirit of fear. I see you, spirit of addiction and divorce and debauchery. When we begin to see these things, I'm telling you, when you speak in tongues, clarity will begin to happen. The will of God will begin to happen. So why don't we stand on our feet right now? Come on, let's just give God a 10 second praise that he is in control. He is moving. He has given us the greatest gift we could ever have to declare his kingdom come and his will to be done in Jesus name. I love you guys. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.